0: Hi, and welcome to Let's Get Clinical, tips from the CRA Helper. Here is your host, Elizabeth Waddell. Hi, Elizabeth here, and welcome to episode 11, which is the last of the segments regarding the topic of common audit findings. This week, I'm going to focus on missing or incomplete essential documentation, So for those of you who may not be as familiar, essential documentation is a requirement per GCPs, those good clinical practices. So per GCPs, essential documents individually and collectively permit as a whole the evaluation of the conduct of the study as well as the quality of the data produced. So this demonstrates the compliance of the investigator, sponsor, and monitor with the standards of GCPs as well as all applicable regulatory requirements. So filing of essential documents at the site level as well as the sponsor CRO level in a timely manner can greatly assist in the successful management of a trial by the investigator, sponsor, and monitor. So that's why you may hear a lot that it's important that our files are audit ready at all times. So this goes with the TMF, that trial master file on the CRO sponsor side, as well as the site level, the investigator site file or the regulatory binder. Very important that they're up to date and audit ready at all times. One of the big places that I see missing or incomplete information is on the delegation of authority log. And the title of this document is dependent upon the company that you work at. It I've also heard it as an SDRL, a site delegation of responsibility log, or an SSL, a site signature log. It's all the same thing. It just depends on what company that you work for. So every person that at the site that is involved in the study is to be listed on this log. And this is because per GCPs, the investigator should maintain a list of appropriately qualified persons to whom the investigator has delegated significant trial-related duties. So each company usually has their own template of the delegation log, which includes a place for each staff member's signature, their initials, sometimes there's a place for them to actually write out the numbers zero all the way through 10. So they'll document zero, one, two, three, four, five, all the way through 10. And this is a way that we can see their handwriting when it comes to numbers. All the tasks that are assigned for each person will be listed as well as their start and their end date that they were assigned to the trial. And there's also a place for the PI to initial and date that he or she is delegating those specific tasks for each staff member to perform. So usually before I begin monitoring, I always make a copy of the delegation log. So I have it right next to me when monitoring. And then I can always refer to it in order to confirm, say, a task assignment of someone, as well as it's a good way to compare signatures and initials of staff if there's any question. And like I mentioned, there may be a section where each staff member is asked to write 0 through 10. So that's also a place that you can refer to when monitoring if there's any question of who wrote what numbers, who captured and documented these vitals, and maybe you think you want to refer to make sure that that handwriting is the same for the study coordinator. So a lot of information that you can confirm from the Delegation of Authority log, it's a very important log to have nearby and always refer to while you're monitoring. So when I first look at this log, when I first do the initial review, I want to confirm is it complete. I want to make sure there's no missing information and you want to ensure that all site staff are listed on there. So everybody that's on the study, you want to ensure is listed on there and just do that overview to make sure, okay, are all the initials present or all the signatures present is every section required completed. So like I mentioned over and over again, that all site staff on the study should be listed on this delegation of authority log. Primarily, my experience has been with CNS studies. So I didn't deal a whole lot when it came to hospitals, but on some bigger oncology studies that may take place at a lot of hospitals, in those cases, there may be exceptions of who is listed on the delegation of authority law because there may be a lot of nurses and things like that that just do standard of care procedures. And if that's the case, there may be a note to file or something filed in the regulatory binder that'll explain why some people aren't required to be listed on the delegation log because maybe they just do standard of care procedures and nothing study related. So again, if you have any question of who should be listed, talk with your lead CRA, talk to your management on the study, however your communication plan is, and your clinical monitoring plan may also specify. But for the most part, again, from my experience, it was smaller sites, CNS studies. So I didn't come across this issue too much. Just if maybe somebody just performed something administrative on the trial, like maybe they strictly went through documenting temperatures on a temperature log did nothing study specific, then sometimes um, we would have the site document a note to file, file that were the regulatory binder. So if someone else had the same question, it was already explained why that person with their initials on the temperature log was not listed on the delegation log. So again, some things are study specific, but I'm just looking at this in general that anyone performing study related procedures should be listed on the log. So every time I would see a new name in the source, for example, I would peek over at that delegation log just to see if they're listed. And also, I want to make sure that they're delegated the task that I'm seeing that they're performing in the source. So for example, I could be reviewing visit five of the source on a study, and I'm looking at the lab requisition form, and I see... A signature or name of somebody that I'm not used to seeing. So then I would look over the delegation log to see if they're listed. And in addition, are they delegated the task of collection and processing of lab samples? As I continue my initial review of the delegation log, I also want to confirm if the information entered is correct. So most companies, they'll have, again, their own template. And at the top, there may be a header that lists the study name and protocol number, the PI name, the site address, site name, all that good stuff up top. I want to ensure that all that information is correct. Also, there's a start date for site staff on the study. So at the beginning, Sometimes this is the same date as the SIV, that site initiation visit. You'll definitely confirm this with your study team, what the start date should be. But for most studies I've been on, the start date for the site staff that are starting from the beginning usually is the date that the SIV occurred. So definitely confirm this with your team. And I then review the tasks that are assigned or delegated for each staff member. So usually there's a key at the bottom of the log and it'll list different numbers and then a study task or procedure next to it. So for example, there could be one through 20 listed at the bottom. One is consenting subjects. Two is obtaining medical history. Three is physical exams and so on. So next to each person on the study, there's going to be numbers that are assigned that are indicating the tasks that are assigned to them. So I first want to look to make sure... That that each task is assigned or delegated to someone on the study. So in my example, I said there was 20 different tasks or procedures, so I wanna go through the whole log and make sure that I see one, two, three, four, five, six, all the way through 20. I wanna see each number assigned or delegated to someone. So for example, where I said that there was numbers one through 20 at the bottom of the log that are different tasks for the study, say number 15 was collection of vitals during study visits. And say when you're going through making sure that there's something assigned for every person on the study, one, two, three, four, five, you may see that no one was assigned 15 taking vitals for the study. So that's why it's such a good idea to make sure because that was a whole study task that was left off the log. I'm going to say, make sure again, you want to make sure to confirm that all study tasks have been delegated or assigned to someone. Then I look at each individual study team member, what their role is, if they're licensed, et cetera, because I want to look at the study tasks that were assigned for that person to ensure they're qualified to perform it. I know you remember me talking about it and referring to it in previous episodes, where it's so important that everyone is qualified and trained to perform their individual tasks. So you want to ensure that study procedures that are required for a qualified physician to perform have been assigned only to study physicians. So delegation of study tasks to study personnel, not licensed or qualified to perform those tasks, it's a huge issue and it's definitely a common audit finding, so please be sure to stay on top of that I've also been on studies where certain procedures were blinded so in this case I needed to confirm that blinded personnel on the study were the only ones that were assigned the blinded tasks so it's important that you go ahead and make sure that that's correctly completed that the correct tests are assigned to the correct person on the study and correct the site and re-educate them if you happen to notice any issues so it's always good to confirm these things at the beginning This leads to another common audit finding, another huge issue, which is regarding the lack of training documentation. Because I'm a paper girl, I would use a copy of the delegation log to confirm all training was present for each staff member. Now, remember I talked about at an SIV, a site initiation visit, is where the CRA will train the site in detail regarding all intricacies of the study, the protocol, all the study procedures, all the vendors, every aspect of the trial, they are trained in detail. So I would look to see who from the site was present at the SIV. And on my copy of the delegation log, I would write SIV next to each name on the log. And for every person that was not present, then I would need to see some sort of documentation in the reg binder showing that they were trained on the protocol and all the study procedures. So that's a way I would ensure that study training was present for each and every staff member and once I confirm this I then look to see if there's GCP training documentation for all study staff and I also look to see if it's current. Some studies require it to be renewed every two years others maybe annually it just depends on the study so you definitely would want to confirm this information. And lastly after I make sure that everybody has their GCP training documentation filed I look at the individual task assigned and determine if there is any specific training that is needed for that task. For example, if someone was assigned or delegated the shipment of lab samples, then that's going to require IATA certification, some sort of certification to ship hazardous material. So that's usually what I see as IATA certification, or safety pack certification. And this indicates that they're certified to ship hazardous material. And then of course, I make sure that that's current as well. Also to enter data into the ECRF, usually this is going to require training before they can access the EDC system. So then usually they'll print off a certificate that's filed in the reg binder. So again, I would look at whoever's assigned the task of ECRF completion. And for each person, I'm going to look in the reg binder to see if I see a certificate of completion. So I do this for any particular task that requires that extra training. And this is just my initial review. As the study progresses and there are amendments to the protocol, call updates to safety information, the IB, any other relevant training or updates that are needed per protocol, then you'll want to ensure that all site staff member are trained on those as well. And you'll look for that documentation in the regulatory binder. Sometimes the training may be completed by the CRA at the next monitoring visit. It just depends. And if that's the case, the CRA will document this training in their trip report, as well as completing a training log, filing that in the regulatory binder, and then making a copy to take with them for the trial master file. I also use the delegation log to ensure that CVs, Medical licenses, if applicable, are present for all the study staff. And then the FDFs, the financial disclosure forms for the PI and all the sub-Is, it is an amazing, great tool. And I would actually, because again, I love paper, I would actually color code what I'm documenting next to each person. So like for training for each person on the delegation log, I would have, say, in blue. So I'd write SIV in blue or do check marks in blue just to say that I've confirmed all the study training for each person. And then I'd write GCP in blue and the date of their GCP training, and then I'd use another color for their CVs and the date of the CV, Um, maybe another color for licenses, another color for FDFs. So it was a great tool for me to ensure that all the required documentation were present in the regulatory binder for each staff member. Now, there is so much more to review when it comes to the regulatory binder and essential documentation, and in my next course, I'm going to be reviewing each document in detail, as well as tips for QCing each one and information that must be consistent between them. And if something is changed on one, how does this affect the other? Sometimes it can be a domino effect. So there's definitely more to come on that and I will keep you posted of the course launch date. I hope this information so far has been helpful. If you like what you hear, hit subscribe and check out my free resources at the thecrahelper.com. I have added an updated list of CRA entry-level companies, so definitely check it out. But thank you again, and I pray you have a great day. I look forward to our time together next week. Until next time.